BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, a quick note about ads from us, your hosts. We are picky about our advertisers and all of our partners or brands or products that we either use ourselves or that we think our audience would benefit from knowing about. Working with advertisers is what allows us to make this show and they keep working with us because you, our listeners, use the unique links and codes they provide. It's one of the most meaningful ways to support what we do. So thanks for that. We're really, really grateful. If you're ever looking for a specific code, head to a thing or two hq.com slash sponsors and you'll find them all. Okay, here's the show. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazer. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to a thingortwohq.com and sign up for Secret Menu, which will get you weekly access to members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. Hi, Claire. Hi. Um, we have such a great guest coming on, longtime friend of the pod, Maddie Long Khan. Um, long time, long time. I mean, the um, friendship predates the pod. Way predates. She um, wrote for Of a Kind as an undergrad. And now she has a book out, Young yeah. and Restless, which we're going to get all into. But first, bugs. We're going to talk about bugs. <laughs> I regret to say that I think that Like this, real ones, I real ones. I think that this segment was inspired because I thought that I was a victim of uh, early season bug bites, which <laughs> turned out to just be poison ivy. <laughs> I spent like all weekend clearing out a bunch of poison ivy in our yard. I had been wearing a chambray shirt to cover my arms. Then I wore the chambray shirt again. I had forgotten the basics of poison ivy 101, (laughs) despite the fact that we are the proud owners of a book called Fancy Nancy Poison Ivy Expert. Is this an adult book or child book? Oh, it's a child's book. And one of one of Cam's favorites. And I feel like I've been playing fast and loose with poison ivy clearing past years and had gotten away with it. And this time I really... I'm just so grateful that it's still pant season because my legs are busted right now. <laughs> but I do still want to talk about bugs because I'm also a victim of of them. Um, uh, and the I, season's upon us. The season is upon us. And I am someone who really gets bitten. You know, I'm just one of those people. So is my husband. I, uh, you less so? I think it um, is less of a it, psychological it, experience for me. Say more. <laughs> If there's a mosquito in my bedroom yeah, and it's two in the morning, I don't have to get out of bed, turn on all the lights and find the mosquito before I can go to sleep. Well, do your bug bites itch a lot? Because it's not the mosquito. I mean, obviously a bug in your bedroom is annoying, but it's like I just get bitten so much. Yes. He gets bitten more than I do. You get bitten more than I do. I think all of that is true. 
I also think that there's a certain threshold that is crossed in my household. The like loss of two hours of sleep doesn't feel appropriate as a response. Something that has been huge for us is one of these, there's all sorts of different brands of these, but the bug lights that have a sticky pad behind them that you plug into your outlet. Do you have one of those? No, but I know you have pitched me on this before. Yeah. The one we have is the Flyweb Classic Fly Light Insect Trap. It's $37. When it's nighttime, the bugs are all attracted to the light and there's a sticky pad glue pad behind it and they all get stuck but it really does work at night to attract stuff I think you need one of those I think I do too can you talk to me a bit about thermosel which is like yes. the bug thing people talk about so our backyard gets really really bad mosquitoes it's not something we can control I know like no standing water whatever we live in a city we live near places that are not practicing best bug hygiene totally yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. you can't control every yard in yes, your neighborhood exactly okay so we have tried a million different things. The thing that is most effective, and I was so loath to spend the money on it because it's quite expensive, is this thing called Live by Thermosel. And L-I-V, it, it no It looks e. like a no. nightclub. Capital L, capital I, capital V. Live like Tyler. Yes. Uh-huh. It's a whole system of these Bluetooth things that you put in the ground. Pods? Pods? Well, you put the pods inside the things. These are okay. like stations. I don't know. Okay. And then... <laughs> Terminals? I Terminals? See my, I see in my notes, I called them little repeller units. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's what they're called. Uh-huh. Um, you put them around your yard. It's a bit, There is some setup involved, but Chris did it on his own. You do have to buy refills of the pods. Because the pods are like this chemical that they submits out into the world to tell bugs that this is not a safe place for them. I truly don't know and don't want to know. Yeah, okay, You great. operate it via an app on your phone, via Bluetooth, and it truly does cut down immensely on the amount of bugs and it it covers a pretty wide area like each unit has you know a a decent amount of circumference that it covers yeah Um, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. put enough in your yard it's covering the whole thing I have another friend who swears by this and was like this is the only thing they really do and I have to say like I have tried you know hiring the people to come spray at the beginning of the season and then throughout it does nothing Nothing works. Nothing. The citronella, the nin, it, none of it works. This stuff actually works. The two other things I think people say work mm-hmm. are smoke, um, yeah. of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, it's hard to achieve the level of smoke that you need. Um, yeah. well, and is, also, if it's daytime and it's hot out, are you like, uh, totally, you know. totally. There are like the coils. We've gotten to the point now where as a society, we're like citronella is a scam. Yeah. But there are coils that are basically incense. And I think because of the amount of smoke they let off, there may be, right, there's something the to good. it. Yeah. 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 So the Fredericks and May does these like, again, citronella mm-hmm. incense hanging coil. Sorry, it's citronella. But they yeah. look very cute and mm-hmm. they, like it's aesthetically pleasing. And then there's this Renesha Japanese mosquito coil, which has a similar sort of format. Mm-hmm. It's an incense coil. There are these extremely cute things called Kiari Buddha, which mm-hmm. are these like ceramic piggies mm-hmm. that you put the coil in. <gasps> cute. And I would like to use this opportunity to pitch the idea of bug-related things as gifts. If you're mm-hmm. like going to somebody's mm-hmm. like woods house or like yeah, whatever, yeah. like no one wants to buy that stuff for themselves. Everyone struggles with it constantly. I had a friend text a couple of summers ago who was going to spend a weekend with a fancy chef friend. Mm-hmm. And she was like, what can I bring? I can't bring food. Like this person yeah, like yeah. knows all the food. Mm-hmm. And my pitch was bug stuff or sun, like cool sunscreen mm-hmm. that like will get used. It's yeah. a consumable. Yes, totally, totally. The other thing that people like say work, and I do believe them as fans. Yeah, the bugs can't fly and in the midst of the very intense They like wind. still air. They yes, like still exactly. air. My neighbors have a giant industrial fan mounted on a telephone pole in their backyard and it's 
directed like aimed down. Right down, aimed down at their dining table that's in the backyard. It's genius. I mean, also just good air circulation in the summer it's when it's great. Hot. I think it's so smart. The other thing I'm tempted by in this category mm-hmm. is Moment Design Store sells this thing called a Bluefield Kruka camping fan. Mm-hmm. It releases these ultrasonic frequencies that the bugs don't like. Oh. With one charge, it mm-hmm. gives you 48 hours of fan time and it doesn't wow. have a cord. So like you can yeah, move yeah. this anywhere. How big and- is it? It's like small and it has like little tripod legs and okay. it, could, it can go camping with you. Is it going to protect one person or multiple people? Probably four-ish. Oh, like, okay. I don't know. It's like... That's good. It's it's not for an entire party of people yeah. if you were having a whole backyard yeah. hang, yeah. but I think it would do something if you were having dinner outside, if that makes sense. Okay. The other thing we jotted down here feels interesting are these Nipa huts, these little screen tents that you put on... Over your food. Yeah, over your food. They're collapsible. Yeah, they're um, super cute. I was trying to find more things in this sort of like food tent category. Mm-hmm. This is far and away the cutest. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing that felt like a good idea was just putting, you know, the top of a cake stand or like a cheese dome? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just that on yes. top of whatever's on the table. A cloche. Mm-hmm. Um, just bringing the cloche outside. That is a good outside. idea. Um, a yeah. thing you might already have. I just, I feel passionately about this topic and I do think it's worth investing in because I as a city dweller, feel so fortunate to have outdoor space. And yet, like, I rarely get to use it during the warm months because the bugs, the bugs They're mean. Own it. Yeah, it's theirs. It's theirs. Okay, the one last thing I want to talk about mm-hmm. are door screens. Mm. Specifically, the screens that have magnets down the middle mm-hmm. that, like, dogs, children, anyone mm-hmm. can just sort of, like, walk through without yes. having to open or shut anything. Yeah. So there are tons of these in, in the world, but there's a brand. I don't think this is meant to be pronounced, so mm-hmm. I just have to say the letters. Okay. L-Y-G-F-Z-F. Yeah. Talk about an Amazon brand name if you've ever heard yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they make these in like every possible size. Okay. So you could get it custom to like any shape, mm-hmm. entryway. My brother's had one of these for like five years probably. Now I see them everywhere. You know, you told me about your brother's quite recently, and then I noticed my neighbor has one, and I was like, Oh, maybe I'm just noticing it for the first time now. But then I realized that our neighbor's girlfriend just moved in with him and her dog did too. And I was like, oh, is that why? It's, a, it's an animal thing for sure. Yeah. Anybody who has an animal that like can let itself out yeah. okay. like has one of these. Got it, got um, it. Because it is just makes that process so much less annoying. Yeah, that um, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I'm kind of interested in getting one. We also have those massive flies that come in our house. You know, the, they're so they're easy to kill because they're so big that they can't move. Very well, they're quickly. also so slow. They're like so, they're, That's why they're so like slow. evolutionally so disadvantaged. <laughs> these dummies. They're so heavy. They like, yeah, they can't move through the world very quickly. I have to say, I am so glad that we are partnering with Thrive Market right now because they are shattering a lot of uh, assumptions or just sort of outdated notions that I had. One of which was, I always feel like shopping for your groceries online is a luxury. Like it's something that's just ultimately going to cost you more money than just going to the store. One, not true. Thrive Market has such good savings that you will save on average over 30% every time you shop with them. The other outdated notion that I had was that Thrive Market was just sort of pantry stuff. Not true. Thrive Market has everything now, like truly all the groceries you could possibly want, meat, cheese, seafood, pantry stuff, everything, produce. They make the experience of trying to save money when grocery shopping so much easier. They have all of your favorite brands. It's not just, that's the other thing I kind of thought most of their brands were just their drive market brands. No, they have everything. And it doesn't matter if you're gluten-free. It doesn't matter if you're lactose intolerant. It doesn't matter if you're vegan, whatever. They have everything. 
Also, when you join Thrive Market, you are helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. It was actually someone on our team, Catherine, who told me about this. She is a military family member and they help out veterans, nurses, first responders, teachers. That makes me really happy. Thrive Market has a deals page that changes daily. They give you cash back on so many brands. They also save time. They have amazing filters on their website and their app, over 70 of them. And whether you're looking for certified gluten-free snacks or non-toxic cleaning essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with the click of a button. Join Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash a thing or two for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash a thing or two. Thrivemarket.com slash a thing or two. Hi, I'm Shira Barlow, but you may know me as the food therapist. I'm so excited to announce Dear Media's first ever daily show, Good Instincts. If you've ever found it challenging to eat thoughtfully while juggling a busy schedule, then this show is for you. Instead of aiming to simply eat healthier, we'll focus on tips and mindset shifts that streamline the process. Because balance is key, and the less complicated, the better. Join me every Monday through Friday for bite-sized episodes designed to help you close the gap between where you are right now and where you want to go. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Should we bring our guest on? Let's do it. Okay, so today we are talking to Maddie Kahn, who, as we mentioned, is the author of Young and Restless, the untold story of the people who have helped spark America's most transformative social movements throughout history, teenage girls. Maddie has written for every publication that you read, including Of a Kind Back in the Day, and we've known her since she was the most wise and like savvy beyond her years. Probably girl herself, college student, Mm -hmm, for sure, mm -hmm. for sure. Maddie, we are so excited to have you. This just feels like the longest time coming. Um, I can't believe you've never been on this show before. Can we take a moment to be like, you have a book out? Like a book out. I know. A book out. I know. It is actually horrifying. It's exciting. (laughs) I actually recently realized I need to stop leading with horrifying. Mm. (laughs) And my husband was like to me, I think that's not the best opener. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, That's your third. That's that's the third. It is very exciting. It is thrilling. It's just like something that you work on for such a long time feel starts to feel like a limb and then it becomes a severed limb when it's out in the mm-hmm. world. Yeah. Did you always kind of know that this might be what your first book would be about? No, I, so I worked at Elle and Glamour mm-hmm. my whole sort of professional life before this. Mm-hmm. And I did feel very drawn to the stories of teenage girls mm-hmm. during that time. And I was a very passionate teenage girl. Mm-hmm. And I think we ha- knew you like just after you were a teenage girl. You knew so me I- almost, yeah, yeah, almost at that point, I would yeah. say. Maybe like just on the on the brink of 20. I was interested in activism as a teenager. And I felt very close to those girls when I was in those first jobs because it just didn't feel that far off. It wasn't that mm-hmm. far off. And I did think my first thought was that I would write a book about what was going on with this generation of teenage girls because I felt like in, at work, I was constantly coming across these stories of like the Greta Thunbergs of the world and mm-hmm. Malala and the girls and young people on the front lines of the Parkland movement and March for Our Lives. And I mm-hmm. thought, this is special. And I did know from high school, obviously, I knew about the civil rights movement. and knew mm-hmm. that students had been very involved. But I just lacked, I think, like a lot of people, a sense of what the contributions of young people had been to social movements up mm-hmm. until this point. So I thought, like, great, I'm going to write about what's different now. And I didn't know if it would be a book, but I thought, like, I'll explore that. And then I started researching and it was like, you're an idiot. This has been going on for actual centuries. Mm. And then I spent a lot longer on my proposal and getting acquainted with those movements and those young women 
probably than my agent would have liked. Thanks, Kim, for being patient. Mm -hmm. And after I felt well-versed enough in it, then I thought, actually, this is a much bigger story and I should really write about how girls have been on the vanguard of social change basically since the founding of this country. Well, but the thing you're being like, you're an idiot part of it. It's like, yeah, but how would you have known any of these things? Because these stories are not told. No, like totally. none of this information mm-hmm. is shared. Yeah, it's in the introduction of the book. But I do think like the only two girls I learned about in high school were Sacagawea yep. and Anne Frank. Yeah, mm-hmm. those yep. are your two. Yep. And yep. listen, they're great, good yep. to learn about, but yep. it's not the whole story. They're also just held up as like singularly unique individuals. Individuals, right? It's like very individualistic and it doesn't feel like so many people of this age are doing these things. Totally. And I think that that is something I grapple with in the book as I spotlight individual girls to try really hard to contextualize them in these movements that are happening. Because I think, you know, you can chalk it up to like the old child star system or the American obsession with individuality. But I think there is an impulse to single out the Mm. visible girl who is so articulate and so precocious and turn her into a kind of star and then not really engage with what she is saying, which is a big part of what the book is about. Hmm. I've been reading the first sort of section of the book in the Lowell, Massachusetts strike walkout. First of all, there are like so far not individuals in it, which I really appreciate. But there is just so much setting up the like contextualizing of this and like the framework and the societal things that are happening and what these girls are trying to do at this point and like the sort of self-actualization that they were being able to experience in their lives at that point and how this brought about their like activism. Yeah, totally. I mean, I wasn't sure exactly where to start the book or who would be the right opener to set the tone for the book, but they did feel perfect to me for that reason, which is there are kind of individuals who tell that story later and that's the way we kind of know really about what happened. But I wanted to figure out a time where before high school was really a common experience for girls, before there was a sense that you would interact with your peer group, like Mm -hmm. as a cohort, Mm -hmm. where would that have happened? And I feel like when I think about my own adolescence, like your friends are everything. And I feel that that is that is such a powerful force for change. So I wanted to find a time where that really happened. And because these girls were coming from farms where they were really isolated, living together for the first time. And I don't mean to like paint a picturesque vision of what it was like. It was obviously brutal labor too, factory work. But it was this unprecedented moment where girls were interacting with each other and it was like, oh my God, you too? Mm. And that I think is like the most profound experience of being a young person. It's universal, it's timeless. Yeah, totally. Do you have favorite stories or individuals from this? Yeah, it's funny because the first thing I want to say is I couldn't possibly choose a favorite. And then on the other hand, I'm like, "Hmm, maybe I could choose a few favorites. (laughs) Uh, One of the people whose story feels the most representative to me is Claudette Colvin. Mm Mm-hmm who I feel like in the past decade, there has been a lot more awareness of her. She was a teenager who refused to give up her seat on a segregated Montgomery bus nine months before Rosa Parks. My problem with the rehashing of that story, and I'm so glad she's better known, is that's really not like her major contribution to the civil rights movement. She does that. And then I feel like in the positioning, and this is also something I was very wary of in writing the book, it's like, this is the person who beat Rosa Parks to the punch. Mm. It's like, that is not (laughs) how it went down at all. And Rosa Parks actually was a huge mentor to Claudette and Mm. took her under her wing. I think a lot of people don't know that Rosa Parks was extremely invested in young people and had been the leader of the NAACP youth movement in Montgomery, had actually come back to movement work after feeling sort of disenchanted with it because she really wanted to lift up the next generation of activists. She really told Claudette, you can do more. You need to be part of this. She knew how Claudette took her coffee. Like they were extremely close. And then nine months later, after Claudette was sort of cast aside for many reasons from being kind of the figurehead, she wakes up to this reality that Rosa Parks has done the same thing. Mm -hmm. And 
I think it's actually this amazing story of like baton passing in a movement. And like collaboration. Totally. And then after that, and part of the reason I love this story so much is after she's kind of been cast aside and marginalized in the movement because she doesn't really fit the profile of what they want to be lifting up, they need plaintiffs for this case that's running concurrently with the bus boycott, which has started by then. And they try to find every like respectable man in town to be a plaintiff to say these buses have been segregated. We've been discriminated against. Not one guy wants to do it. Mm. I mean, they go to the ministers and they go to the businessmen and nobody wants to risk it. And then they go back to Claudette after they've kind of told her, mm, you're, you're not the one you for right us. now. Yeah. 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 And yeah, yeah, she yeah. at 16 says, I'll do it. And wow. she's not even the only teenager who does. One other teenager, one other teenage girl joins too. There are ultimately four plaintiffs and they're all women. Mm. And winning this case is what led to the boycott being declared over and successful. And it's this huge legacy. I think it's really telling that the part of her that's come to light after so many decades is refusing to give up her seat. But actually, she stuck with it. She did this amazing thing. She testified in court as a teen mom who had really no social cred at all. And she's willing to risk it. She's in high school. Like, it's unbelievable to me. So that's one of my faves. Without, you know, spoiling the book, what do you think it is about teen girls that makes them so ripe for this type of activism. Yeah, I think that girls are socialized in particular ways that make them really good activists. And sometimes people have asked me, like, what about boys? Boys have done great things. And what about people who don't fit into the gender binary? They have too. And I completely agree. There are great young male and non-binary activists for sure. But I think because we tell girls to fix problems Mm. and because we teach them to be collaborative and to reach consensus and to work with people, to be like really good leaders of like play nice, play nice, they are actually very good at Mm. building and organizing. Uh, There's a study that comes up late in the book that's sort of an aside, but I insisted on keeping it in because I really love it, about a Swedish researcher who was looking at aggressiveness in girls. Mm. Basically, the thesis had been boys become aggressive and girls don't. They learn not to shove, not to push, not to do those things. Now, this guy was really astounded to find that girls were some conniving Mm -hmm. little ladies. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, he was surprised. Yeah, he was shocked. (laughs) A man did this study, to be clear. And he realized, actually, like, girls don't get less aggressive. They learn what the society will tolerate from them, and they figure out different ways to get their point across. They're resourceful. So they're not going to shove, but they are going to gossip. They're going to be cutting. They are going to be casting people out of their group. I don't think the moral of this story is, like, girls do everything right. I think girls are savvy, and in Mm -hmm. a culture that teaches them they're not going to be top dog necessarily, they figure out ways to fight back that are really clever. And I think that has motivated them for a long time. I don't think it's like you're born a girl or you are a girl and the, and you get endowed with this special set of skills. Right, 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 I right. think it's that, listen, this is the culture and it's happened on top of every other bad thing that's happened to mint a class of activists that are really good at what mm-hmm. they do. I think some of the things that you touch on in like thinking about the way that girls are socialized is some of the stuff that we got really interested in when writing Work Wife and thinking mm. about like, why do women make interesting partners? Why do women work well? And work environments because it is like collaborative because you're forced you know what I mean like yeah. the, there's just like less of an appetite for women to be competitive yeah and I think that when you think about the climate movement in particular this is something a teenage girl told me explicitly when I was working on the book when you think about what's being asked of the people who are trying to quite literally save this planet to consume less to mm-hmm. figure out ways to make more happen with less to conserve resources Unfortunately, 
we have talk girls that are going to have to do that anyway. Yeah. So of course they're going to be a little bit better at this from right. the jump. You will compromise. You will sacrifice. It's the universal truth at the heart of Legally Blonde, right? Like this is what makes. I mean, her I, it all roads lead back for me personally. That movie was <laughs> actually very formative to me. It really, yes. but it is. It's like yes, these things that this woman has like conformed to these like sort of tenets of of being a woman in this day and age are also what makes her this extraordinarily talented lawyer. Completely. It is actually frightening to rewatch that movie, and she's in college. It's, she's undergrad. Right. Like, and she's a girl. Yeah, she literally is. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Elle Woods, patron saint. <laughs> Thank you so much to Jubilance for sponsoring today's episode. I was catching up with a friend the other day and she had just gone on this lovely vacation. She'd been in the South of France. She was doing yoga. She was doing all this stuff. It sounded incredible. I was like, how was your trip? Was it amazing? And she was like, you know, it was nice. But also I was PMSing for the entire week that I was there. and. It feels crazy to say this, but my PMS was so intense that it like kind of prevented me from fully enjoying the trip. And you know what? Like I related to that. I knew exactly what she was talking about. My PMS, especially these days, especially as I've gotten older, has just gotten so intense that it has the power to like ruin days. And sometimes I worry it has the power to potentially ruin relationships. I just feel so stressed. I feel so on edge. My patience goes to zero. I have so much sort of like anger, resentment. And even when I know, this is PMS, like it's the PMS talking. It doesn't necessarily make it any easier. I'm so excited that we are partnering with Jubilance and so excited that they are doing something to address this. Jubilance is the most advanced scientific solution for relieving PMS from mood symptoms available today. In double-blind, placebo-controlled, peer-reviewed clinical trials, just one month of Jubilance offered significant release of PMS-related mood swings like anxiety, irritability, sadness, and stress. Thousands of women worldwide use Jubilance to live PMS-free. Jubilance for PMS are tiny once-a-day capsules with the key to PMS freedom. Order Jubilance today risk-free and say hello to the most authentic you. Jubilance is the leading evidence-based scientific approach to PMS relief. In response to Jubilance's clinical trial results, along with testimonials by patients and doctors, the FDA has allowed Jubilance's historic structure function claim. Oxaloacetate may help alleviate the mild to moderate psychological and or behavioral symptoms associated with PMS. And best of all, your first bottle comes with free shipping and a money back guarantee. If Jubilance doesn't give you the PMS relief you deserve, just shoot them an email and they'll issue a refund in full. No questions asked. No need to mail back the bottle. Try Jubilance for $10 off by visiting jubilance.com slash a thing or two or using the coupon code a thing or two at checkout. That's J-U-B-I-L-A-N-C-E dot com slash a thing or two. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. You know, there's so much to be uh, grateful for regarding the fact that as a culture, we are just so much more open about mental health than we used to be. I have a long list of things. One of the things that stands out to me this time of year is the realization that I am not the only person who suffers from seasonal affective disorder in the summer. For the longest time, I really thought I was a freak of nature who got depressed in the summer instead of the winter like everybody else. But I feel like in recent years, so many people have come out of the woodwork and been like, me too. Summer is really hard for me. It's definitely rooted in so many things. It's also just, you know, who knows what, something wrong with my brain chemistry, perhaps. But it's one, I hate being hot. So that's the obvious. Two, the lack of structure, the lack of routine. It all sorts of sort of goes out the window. Three, I just feel like everybody goes away. Like you're like, I haven't seen my friends in so long because everybody's just like traveling or just has different stuff going on. I like the routine and dependability of what I will call the school year. Um, and yeah, I just, it's sticky and gross and hot. And it used to be that 
my seasonal affective disorder was compounded by the fact that I felt like I was the only one who felt that way. It turns out there are other people. Somebody wrote, I think it was Haley Nauman who wrote something recently who said some part of it too is that sense that like that sort of like lingering FOMO or sort of pressure, guilt that you feel like you should be outside at all times because everybody else is outside. And I also related to that. It's that feeling of like, you should be out doing something when maybe actually you just want to sit inside at home and relax. Anyway, something that helps with all of this stuff is talking about it, as it turns out. And you can talk about it in therapy, and that will really help. If you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash a thing or two today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash a thing or two. Can you talk a little bit about friendship and fandom and how they sort of play into the ways that girls can work together because those are things we talk about so much on oh, this yes. show and just like think I know, about I feel the so past few episodes have really been teeing this up. <laughs> I uh, think so too. I think so too. First of all, friendship for me is like the single organizing principle of my life, I would say. Same. So I was primed to make that argument. I think that to be an activist, you both have to have a sense of the stakes of what you're doing and you have to have a sense of what you're fighting for. Mm. And friendship, mm. I think, gives girls in particular, a sense of what the point of all of this is. One of the things that I think I realized in working on the book was the party line is kind of like, well, maybe girls are so good at this and teenagers are such good organizers because they don't haven't had like full developed neural functioning, like that they don't have a sense of what the risks are. So they're impulsive and they do uh, these things mm -hmm. that, you know, adults are too reasonable to do. That's not so persuasive to me. I think what I did find to be true is that when you have a family in the conventional American nuclear sense, you actually can't take as many risks yeah. because you have responsibilities that are different than a teenager has. And as we said before, for a teenager whose life is their friendships, that sense of fighting in solidarity yeah. I think becomes a lot more attractive. And very, very few of these girls did what they did alone. Often mm -hmm. they found themselves kind of coming back to these same conversations with their good friends. This isn't really fair. Mm -hmm. Why do we have to live like this? And feeling very much like a sense of almost cohort solidarity, because mm -hmm. I wouldn't really say class solidarity, but cohort but like, solidarity. Yeah, being in community. Totally. Mm -hmm. And thinking like, this isn't the world we want. Looking around at their peers more than looking behind them or in front of them. Yeah. A lot of the transcripts that I loved reading for the book were from organizing meetings among girls and young women where it's like it moves just the way it does over dinner, over drinks now. Like one second they're talking about, did you see this thing? Have you listened to that? Did you read that? Or like, can you believe she did that? And then the next second it's like, okay, so the walkout starts Tuesday. And, you know, that the language of that kind of friendship is powerful. I actually was talking to Deborah Tannen uh, the linguist who specializes love, in love. how women and girls communicate. Mm -hmm. And she said that she has found that a lot of times to generalize, men find small talk kind of besides the point. Like yes. it's not, you know, goal oriented. Mm -hmm. And women naturally, again, to generalize, find that to be important to relationship building. And that part of the reason she thinks that girls have something to pull on when they want to engage in this kind of work is like the basis of support and mutuality is built in because mm. of the way girls communicate. That felt to me very tied to friendship. Mm -hmm. It's not like mm -hmm. you have to invent a reason 
to band together and support each other. You're bringing to bear the relationships you already have. Mm -hmm. And that's going to make you a really good organizer. So that was one thing. The fandom thing I love. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons I love it is because I think that when you're talking about, and this comes up sort of in the chapter on Beatlemania and the beginnings of second wave feminism. And this is actually Barbara Ehrenreich's argument. She basically says, what's the connection between this truly out-of-body experience for teenage girls when they greet the Beatles and sort of become these obsessive fans that people make a lot of fun of and second-wave feminism, which are separated by a few years. And she basically says, actually, that kind of screaming, losing yourself in public, unabashedly owning your desires, laid the groundwork for what became (sighs) second-wave feminism. Mm. And the sense of like, seeking pleasure for its own sake, of having a sense of your own autonomy. This is what I like. I'm going to go pursue it. Helped form this generation of activists. Hmm. And to me, I totally buy it. I'm like, that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that that's part of what you see now. I think fandom obviously has its scary elements. I mean, listen, it's highly organized. It's so there's Yeah, there's highly hierarchical too. Like they're taking their marching orders. Mm -hmm. But I do think that sense of, it's a very powerful thing, I think, for young people and especially for young women who are devaluing the culture to say, I like this and I'm mm-hmm. going to go absolutely wild for it. And nobody's going to tell me it's too much. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell myself I can yeah. be more. I can take up a lot of space. Mm-hmm. I can fully lose my mind over this. And I think that that's what you see, you know, now in networks of organizing happening across fandoms. It's this powerful sense of community, yes, and also a sense of your own power to decide as yourself Mm. what you're going to do and where you're going to pour all of your energies. Mm -hmm. And nothing could ever really feel like too much if you're really invested. Mm -hmm. There was a memoir I read for the book. It's called Where the Girls Are. And the writer, Susan Douglas, was talking about falling in love with the band, the Shirelles, a girl band. Mm. And she felt like it was the first time she had heard someone that felt roughly like her peer articulate their own desires. Like it was so Mm. radical to be like, I want this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that it opened the door to wanting other things and going after other things and asking yourself what you wanted your life to look like and what you wanted the world to look like. And I don't think it's that much of a leap. Yeah. 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 Maddie, did you bring some thingies for us? Oh my God, boy, did I ever. Ah! (laughs) So the first one I think is something you guys are also invested in, but I have a little bit of a tweak. So I think we're living in a golden age of newsletters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Shopping newsletters, as you know. Oh my gosh. Fashion newsletter, shout out to Lauren Sherman's line sheet, which I cannot open fast enough. But for the newsletters I can stand to wait on, Mm -hmm. I recommend this new thing I started to do. Since a lot of them come on Sunday, Mm. I have a Sunday morning newsletter inbox review smart thank you yeah Yeah. we all subscribe Mm -hmm. to so many yeah and when they come i get very like nervous about reading them or starring them or like i need a system and i've been waiting for one my system is sunday morning i only get the paper delivered two days a week saturday sunday Mm -hmm. i'm a weekend edition subscriber Mm -hmm. and i mix up my real estate best section in the new york times and my uh collection of newsletters and yeah that's the time that i take to go through it is this in the morning over coffee? Is this in the morning over coffee? It gives me a sense of like purpose to the morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. An activity that I really enjoy. I find it to be tremendously luxurious. Yes. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them happen to come on Sundays anyway. So there's a critical mass for me. Like Becky Molinsky's shopping newsletter comes on Sunday. That's very important. A lot of mine come Friday night. 
which is interesting to me. I guess which maybe ones that's are coming Friday night. Hunter, all the gossip ones. Oh all yeah, Hunter's. <laughs> yeah, the end of week, ones. the end of week celebrity like, gossip yeah, ones. I guess they're yeah. like you know I don't I don't know what it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So a lot of my shopping ones, and that's like kind of a nice time for browsing. Too. Yes. I'm doing then. Yeah. Really can't recommend Eaters Add to Cart enough. Oh, One yeah. of the few mm-hmm. publication wide shopping newsletters that I think is excellent. Well done. Yeah. Really good curatorial eye happening there. Yeah. Love it. Rachel Toshjohn also comes Sunday. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. 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 And I spent a long time waiting to get on the list for that newsletter. So now that I'm on it, you you know, you're in. You're, you're consuming. It. You're in. I'm going to consume it. Yeah. I'm going to click all those links. I'm going to yeah. have 16 tabs open. Are you doing this on a computer? Okay, I should be, especially yeah. for hers. Mm-hmm. For the tabs of it all. For the tabs of it all. I'm often doing it on a phone. I will sometimes migrate to computer if yeah. I am ready to add to cart. I'm yeah. not checking out Again, on a phone. phone. So that's one thing. One of my major recommendations as a person yes. is Frog Hollow Farm. Yes. Maddie, Love Frog Hollow I was Farm. like, if Maddie doesn't bring Frog Hollow Farm up on this episode, I'm going to mm. have to bring it up myself because I have been thinking specifically about seasonal produce let me tell you frog hollow farm is it and the now best. it has a, a celebrity uh connection which i only just learned about please as an ardent poog listener oh kate berlant's aunt no what owns frog hollow farm <gasps> i know what? wait is this wow i know my I jaw fell this. open and the fact that this wasn't in new york magazine's nepo babies cover <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm kind of like issue a correction. Yeah. There's a gaping void where yeah. this affiliation should be. Yeah. Because wow. Frog Hollow Farm is the preeminent supplier of stone fruit yes. in the country, yeah. I would say. And this is a powerful tie. Wow, I absolutely love it. I know. God, I will I... tell you for people who don't know what Frog Hollow Farm is, that it is a purveyor mostly of stone fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they ship nationwide. Mm-hmm. It's an extraordinary luxury. We're talking like in terms once you add the shipping and the tax and everything, mm-hmm. like maybe six dollars for a peach. I'm not proud. Yeah. But <laughs> I have to say there's no luxury that feels the way a box of peaches from Frog Hollow Farms feels. It was a pregnancy prize for me. Because yeah. like, I, I was like, I deserve this. There's so many things I can't eat. This is, I think I got, I, I got cherries that were extraordinarily yeah, expensive. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, yeah. just like needed. What is the order? Okay, so I did recently speak to someone who said they balled out on Gotta Have My Peaches, mm-hmm. which is a weekly shipment of peaches for the entire season. And that's just like wealth to me. <laughs> I can't even... That I can't justify. That's like a the New York Magazine, like, how do I get this life? Like, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That would be my only requirement. <laughs> yeah. How do I get a life of God have my peaches? And the person who told me that she had done this was bashful but proud, which yeah. I think is the right way to be. Mm-hmm. Like, you shouldn't be totally ashamed that you're doing that. You're giving yourself a great gift, but you also can't be totally not embarrassed yeah. to be yeah, spending, you're spending this amount that much money on peaches. On peaches. That said, I understand completely. I wish someone would buy that for me. My move is around March, which is when my birthday is, Certain members of my family know all I want in life is Frog Hollow Farm. Shout mm-hmm. out to my brother. Mm-hmm. And he pre-orders for me, because you can pre-order mm-hmm. all year long, a Battle of the Peaches box, mm. which is where the lovely farmers at Frog Hollow Farm, Farmer Al in particular, who signs all the newsletters, sets up a battle between their two most popular peaches, oh. Cal Reds and O. Henry's. <laughs> Now, I think I've settled into being a Cal Red. Okay. <laughs> but I like an O. Henry from time to time. Okay. Anyway, you get a huge box. Okay. And the peaches are individually like nestled yeah, in little divots yeah. to cradle them. Yeah. And if you get a because bruised they're peach, precious. they're precious. If you get a bruised peach, the customer service of Frog Hollow Farm is off the charts. Yeah. And they will send you a replacement peach. 
Just so. one, just the one. <laughs> I have a couple of questions. Okay, go on. Can you talk about any anxiety you might have to finish the peaches in the appropriate amount of time, but not consume them too quickly? It's real. Like, what's it feels the, like a real Seinfeld it, episode. Well, right it there. just feels yeah. like a recipe for anxiety and stress. I would say if you're a person who would never refrigerate a peach, yeah, it is a lot of anxiety. Okay, yeah, I, would, as, I, I like a cold fruit. As someone who will transition from the countertop to the fridge yeah. this is not a huge not a problem for you not a huge I problem like to do me. like a half and half keep half out keep half that's in right the fridge. and you yeah. reach a point they do arrive basically ripe yeah. and you reach a point in the eating out of hand as they say mm -hmm. maybe like three days later where you feel okay the rest must go into the yes. fridge I will say too that getting a box mm -hmm. and then you're meeting someone for drinks or you're meeting someone for dinner and you turn mm -hmm. up with this precious cargo, Pro you'll move. never make a friend faster. Yeah. Like Love it is that. the most amazing thing you can give a person. Here's the other thing I think about produce delivery in general. It is like a, absolutely a luxury and it is absolutely expensive. Also, the cost of eating out at a restaurant has become so insane. I get so much more joy out mm -hmm. of having like this like perfect fresh produce for 10 days than I do out of most restaurant meals. And the oh, prices yeah. are often very comparable. Yeah. I yeah. have never felt like it wasn't a luxury, but I also have never regretted it. And I do think it is an amazing gift to give it people is because gift. you don't know what where someone's at with their consumables. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes you think you're doing a really nice thing by sending like a an over-the-top sweet mm -hmm. thing and they don't want that right then. Yeah. And then everyone's a little, feels a little sad, but no one will ever be sad to get luxury stone fruit. And I sent for all the people who blurbed my book, I sent them big frog oh, that was nice of you. boxes. That was good. And it was a hit. Do of you course not it was. Yeah. Love it. Ah, this settles right. it. I know. It's, it really is so good. If you do want a sweet thing, I have to say, I also have gotten into the habit of shipping myself ice cream from far away ice cream places mm. from time to time. And salt and straw salt and does straw. ship nationwide yeah. at a very reasonable I am not shipping. a salt and straw girl. It's too much for me. Are you a Jenny's person? I like Jenny's. Yeah. I mean, I've I, Van Leuven well, is really- Well, we know how you feel about Hagen dazs Yeah, it's, I, yeah I'm, that's I'm, the camp I'm truly you're a Hagen dazs that's the camp you're in. Yeah. Van Leuven has really grown on me, and I I do really like Jenny's. But Salt and Straw is to me Ample Hills like a different of a on it's, a different coast. It's of the Ben and Jerry's. Yeah, I would agree. It's you're too either sweet. a mix-in person yeah. or you're like a, a you're Hagen dazs yeah. or Ben and Jerry's. That's, and that's what like, it comes down to. Yeah, down and it's road. like Ben and Jerry's, Salt and Straw, Ample Hills, R.I.P. And then you've got the Van Leuven Hagen dazs right. Jenny's. And right. Jenny's does a good mix-in, but they're Jenny's just not kind extreme. Of, about yeah, it. gets towards the middle. I would say straddles the line is capturing. Yeah, but they understand markets. Yeah, the majority <laughs> it's true it's yeah. true she's got it under control i the other one that i love is sweet rose um in brentwood oh. country mart and then they have another location somewhere probably yeah. a different country that's mart, on but they're site great. that's yeah. on site yeah. yeah also you have to the experience of listening to the fanciest teenagers you ever met oh talking about their after school is, gossip yeah that's, well, I, that's having, the gwp that's yeah. that's exactly right <laughs> well writing a book about teenage girls you mm. talk to a lot of teenage girls and no one will tell you you're like going down the wrong track faster <laughs> <laughs> so it was I would say humbling and yeah. illuminating. Yeah. And I will say I wasted a lot less time in interviews mm. than I probably do. They don't, good. they're not like, yeah. they're never, you'll never hear a teen say to you, wow, what a good question. <laughs> right. That will never, that did never happen yeah. to me. Maybe 50 interviews later, no mm -hmm. one was ever like, wow, thanks for asking me that. Yeah. Or like, and what about you? How's your day going? Right. No, no, no. They're getting to the point. And yeah. if you're wrong, you are so wrong. Yeah. And 
to be doing these interviews at the end of my 20s, beginning of my 30s, it was a real push into adulthood. Mm, no one your thinks age. you're older than a teenage, than girl. A teenage girl. Yeah, absolutely. They're like, so how old are you? 85? Right. 90? I like- do want to say that I bought a Telfar bag at some mm-hmm. point during this process. Mm-hmm. And one of my sources in the book, mm-hmm. who shall remain nameless, <laughs> replied to me on Instagram and was like, do you think you can pull that off? <gasps> no. Yes. And I was like, yeah, I think I can. And she wow. was like, okay. <laughs> wow. Just yeah. worth asking. Just asking questions. Oh my God. Good for her, I guess. But listen, yeah. I, I treat it with a different kind of sanctity. I When I carry it, I think like, is this working? Right. Would yeah. she approve? Yeah. Would she approve? Yeah. And she she's seen it live in person. Yeah. And she's said it's working. So that's all <laughs> the support I need. But uh, yeah, you, you will see stars at some point during I, the process of interviewing teenage girls. I feel like I've told this story on this podcast before. I'm not sure. A moment that I will never forget is being a high school intern working in a corporate office. And one of the women working in the office was going through it awful breakup. It was highly entertaining for me, but she was constantly coming into the office where I and my boss worked in tears, like giving the latest update on what was going on. And at some point she turned to me and she was like, I'm so sorry. You have to like watch all of this and witness all of this. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm in high school. This is like what I do all day. And she was obviously mortified because she was in her thirties <laughs> and I was comparing her to a high school girl. But it felt like the most obvious response to me. And I realized as soon as I saw her reaction that it was like exactly the, the wrong, wrong thing, thing to say. say. Yeah. But it felt so right to me. I was like, no, you're at home here. You're like, welcome this is here. what I do. Right. This I'm is- 16. Yeah. I'm 16. I have girls crying all to me all the time. All my friends do this yes. all the time. Time. Emotionally, exactly. like losing it in a highly unprofessional fashion is kind of like the lingua franca of the age. <laughs> exactly. So. It felt so obvious to me. I was like, no, 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 no. This is very normal for me. But she was, yeah, it didn't make her feel any better. Yeah. 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 What other things do you have? Well, I know you two are very invested in questions of summer dressing. Uh-huh. And I brought, are we? And yeah. I brought, I, I think, a, a skeleton key of summer dressing. Wow. Which big is, claim. Big claim. I know. And you have to I'm, just shift in your seat. Yeah. I know. I want to make sure I'm prepared. Yeah, you're here. Physically and spiritually. So I uh, recently bought a skirt from Daniela Kalmeyer, amazing designer. Mm -hmm. The skirt is midi linen, kind of like a brush linen. Uh Say more. And it so it comes down to mid calf. Okay, but the it has a slit on both sides, almost Mm. kind of like apron style that comes above knee. How fitted are we? What's not like a line? A line, kind of. I would say like a. A narrow A line. Okay. Is it not okay. getting caught between your legs as you it's walk? It's not. It's not. Okay. Tangling? Because it's a thicker. It's like because it's this thicker weave linen. Uh-huh. It okay. lays really flat. Okay. Oh. And so, so it's, it's got some. It anchors it's, itself. A it's bit. holding itself okay. down. Okay. And it has like kind of a thicker hem. You know what it's like? It's like in the shower when they weigh down the shower. Yes. Curtain. Yes. 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 Yeah. That's okay. what I'm imagining. The Thank hem you. is doing <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and the slit is not. It's not like a cutout. It's it's, okay. it's really it's just, just like the seam. It's a okay. seam. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So you have amazing cross breeze. Okay. But yes. you also have full coverage. Yes. So you can like sit anywhere. Great. And you're not worried ease. about like the blowing up of it all because no. it's not wide enough no, for that not, to happen. And it's not billowy enough. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's okay. a tight. Right. It's a tight number. And the number of occasions where this has been like, oh, okay, I'll just wear that. What color is it? I got it in black, but okay. she has it in other colors. Okay. What, what are you wearing it with? Yeah. Yeah. I'm wearing it with a variety of tees and tanks. Okay. Great. 
also like a fancy structured tank situation, like something that's okay. a little has a little body to uh-huh. it. It looks so good with. It works at like a fancy dinner. Okay. Yeah. It works mm-hmm. for like a day when it's hot. It yep. also works if it's a little bit colder, you want to like wear a little yes. sweater with it. Yeah. To me, it's it's everything. I'm yeah. very interested in this. I got a skirt, a vintage skirt last year that I've been wearing so much for like kind of similar mm-hmm. situations. Mm-hmm. It is long, but it has slits up the front and the back that like are mm. short. It, basically, it like shows some leg, but it also like covers. Yes. And you can wear it with kind of any shoe as a result. Any shoe. And like kind of any top as a result. I, I don't. Yeah. That's yeah. Yes. And and you can wear it with a blazer. You can wear it with a sweater. You can wear it with a tee. Yeah. To me, this is. This is it. This is solving yeah. the problems for me. And it's not like one of my problems with summer, I would like to spend the whole summer in a cotton dress. Yes. yes. That's what I would like. The problem for me as someone, and I really don't mind rewearing things, is you do find that you're in the same literal outfit oh, yeah. every day of the summer. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're seeing people many times yeah. and every time you're wearing the same thing. I used to think that wasn't a factor mm-hmm. because as my husband says, no one ever remembers. You're yeah. the only person who remembers yeah. Yeah, 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 repeating yeah. outfit until I... Let a panel that Alia Shawkat was on, okay, mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. I wore a dress mm-hmm. that I liked. Three years later, I am no. at backstage at an event, mm-hmm. and Alia Shawkat is there. Of course, I'm thinking this woman is not going to remember right. me. She's a famous lady. But it's kind of a tight, small backstage, and so I think I'll introduce myself. Yeah. And she had been on the panel. So yeah. I say, so good to see you. You probably don't remember this, but a few years ago we were. And she cuts me off and she says, oh, I remember you. You were wearing the same dress. <laughs> and indeed, I I was. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I love so it. she's just a keen observer. We have to just say she's a Ever keen observer. Ever since then. And I don't think she judged you for it. I didn't feel judged, but I felt X-rayed, I would say. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It was full body CAT scan. Yeah. I see that this is the dress you wear. Scan. This is the yeah. dress you wear when you come places where you think I might be. That's right. And <laughs> and that assessment would be correct. So what was the dress? I gave it to my best friend after that. <laughs> I was like, I'm I can never, can never wear, wear this, this again. dress again. It's like wearing it's like something that you wore to a funeral that yeah, was emotional. Yes. It's like yeah. too charged yeah, to just yeah, bring yeah, it out on a random. It's a perfect yeah. dress that had it needed to be rehomed. And it, it was rehomed. Be anyway, wow. it's it's off in its new life now. Oh, hopefully driving. Excellent. Excellent thingies. Do we yes. leave any really important ones out? Let me see. I mean, those were the heavy hitters. I will. Uh, the last one that I do feel yeah. an obligation to recommend, especially seasonally, is just the Say Glowy Super Gel. Oh. Don't know anything Tell about us. it. Oh, okay. So this has been transformative for me, a person who never wants to look too matte. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah same. same. Especially in the summer mm-hmm. when I feel it's a fool's errand. So yeah. you should not even try with that texture. Mm-hmm. Just like lean into the like glow of it all. My nightmare is like you're... It's summer, so you're wearing sunscreen. Then you try to like mattify on top of that. Then you're on the phone and you take your phone away and it's like the residue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. trying to avoid that yeah. reckoning. Yeah. So I would rather have kind of a slicker finish okay. in general. And I Is never- Is this an over the makeup? I put it on either when I'm wearing nothing on my face okay. yeah. or if I do like concealer, but I kind of, and no foundation and I yeah. kind of feel like I need to- blend a little bit somehow okay. I'll put it on over that and it's clear it has a very slight kind of rose finish mm-hmm. yeah but no glitter yeah but a kind of a little bit of luminescence I would say I'm gonna try this because I got I put it in our in the secret menu newsletter but I was gifted this Shantakai moisturizer that it sounds very similar to mm-hmm. what you're describing it's just got a 
little bit of rosy shimmer to it. And I feel like it's like putting an Instagram filter on my face. Yes. And it's quite uh, expensive for the amount that you get and yeah. for what I would normally spend on these things. So I suspect this might be a less expensive okay, alternative. Okay, I really recommend this. Okay. I never came back fully to wearing makeup after our pandemic experience. Were you going to try to avoid using the word pandemic in that moment? I was like, what was that? (laughs) (laughs) How do I capture the trauma? Yeah. Uh The grief? Uh, Yeah. The collective Mm -hmm. undertaking that we all went through? Pandemic would be the right word. After that, I never really came back to like full on face makeup. And but sometimes I do feel if I want to throw on mascara that it looks a little weird. Yeah. To have eyelashes and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So totally. I need something Personally, that will... I love that look on everybody else but me. Oh. I think there's something really powerful about it. Like, all I needed was mascara. I get this. I get, yeah. like, yeah. I don't know. It makes yeah. me, actually, I would say, to bring it back to the topic at hand, putting on just mascara does actually make me feel a little bit like a teen. Mm, I used to think that when I was a teenager and I would put on just mascara and wear a ponytail, it was wrong. It was like, <laughs> you had to have, like, your hair down or something. <laughs> Why? Where did I come up with this? Uh, who knows? We all have notions. <laughs> yeah. um, but I do feel like sometimes I need just one other thing, like a little bit of blush yeah. or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. And this right now is my yeah. go-to something. And then I feel I can do mascara and just that. And I really feel done for the day. Excellent. So Love that's it. my last my last thingy for you. Thank you so Maddie. much, Maddie. This what a was delight. Wonderful. I can't wait for everyone to read Young and Restless. This is going to be like, I feel like this is a perfect time for reading this, like cozying up with this very smart, thoughtful book that also just makes you want to be like young again. Yeah, yeah I, I completely agree. Now or anytime in the future is the perfect time. For <laughs> I agree. But agreed. It's multi-seasonal. That's the show. This has been a production of Dear Media, and we are so grateful to the talented team over there for helping us make this podcast happen, especially to our wonderful producer, Ali Slice. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ, and if you have ideas for our show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and sign up for our newsletter at a thing or two HQ.com too. If you love the show, consider supporting it by signing up for a secret menu also at a thing or two HQ.com. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.